the suitcase from the van Cause if you want the best But you don't ask questions Then brother, I'm your man Cause where it all comes from is a mystery It's like the changing of the seasons And the tides of the sea But here's the one that's driving me berserk Why do only fools and horses work? La 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 Oh, shut up, you tart. Après moi, la déluge. And it's a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with Bread Roll and JT. Après moi, la déluge, and whatever it is indeed, Bread Roll. And you've stolen another one of my opening night, uh, closing nights, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I do normally have a few. That shows how prepared we are and how we don't know what the other person's going to do because he doesn't know what I'm going to close with. And I never know what he's going to open with. But there we go. So, everyone, we are back again, funnily enough, and we are looking at Series 7 still. This is Episode 5, and this one's called He Ain't Heavy, He's My Uncle, and it aired on the 27th of January 1991. It's a 50-minute episode, as always now. And this one had an uh, audience of 17.2 million bread rolls. We've jumped up around a million, so maybe Jim Broadbent got a few people back into it last week. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, what's to argue with that? You know, Jim Broadbent's a legend. Slate is a great character, as we mentioned. But um, yeah, good to see it's on the rise, especially as obviously we're coming and down to the um, kind of final furlong of this particular series and the series in general. Obviously, we move on to the specials, um, quite a few of them afterwards. But as far as actual main, I don't know how this was advertised back in the day. People knew it was coming to an end or not. But um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if John Sullivan knew it was coming to an end or not. I don't know what his plans were. Um, I know with this particular episode, he was keen to show another side of Albert and sort of Albert hadn't really been featured heavily really recently. And then he wanted to sort of bring him to the fore a bit more in this episode and also just show a different light of Dale as well, how inner city violence might affect them. And obviously Albert and Dale with the muggings, which we find out a bit later on, aren't actually muggings, um, if you don't already know. And apparently old Buster Merrifield, he was still pretty fit when they were filming this and he wanted to sort of be a bit more active and have a bit more of an active role. So that's why the boxing and that was brought into it as well. So they wanted to incorporate that into the script to sort of show how fit he still was. It is a ripe old age. Yeah, no, fair play. I mean, I know he gets a few typical like, off-the-cuff remarks from Rodney and Dale throughout this one and everything. But um, yeah, we do actually see um, Albert um, outside of his bloody usual like duffel coat and usual <laughs> outfit, which he does wear at one point. We actually get to see him in like a vest top for you know those who like that sort of thing. We also get to see him in a proper suit later on in the episode. Um, so yeah, yeah, he, uh, he is actually at the forefront of this one. We do indeed. I've got both uh, noted down in in my notes. Um, it's also good to see Cassandra back, although she's only in it briefly. But it's only the second time we've seen her in this whole series, I believe. Um, so yes, yeah, he pops her head in as we said last week. She's going to make another appearance. And um, another character who's in this when he only makes the one appearance is um, old Knock Knock. And he's played by Howard Gorney, I think you pronounce his surname. And he had a pretty good TV career and he's also in the theatre. Nothing major, but he seems to be around for a good 30, 40 years on TV here and there. Yeah, I quite like Knock Knock. Again, he's one of those little side characters in me. And um, there's actually a scene of him right at the end of the uh, episode. It's got a bit of a continuity episode, uh, issue that I've never actually noticed. And I only glanced at it because it's such a sort of, sort of quick scenes. This episode sort of like reaching its sort of climax. Um, and I only uh, noticed it then, so I'll, I'll call that out when we get there. Oh, good shout, Bread Roll. I don't think I've noticed any continuity issues, so um, that'll be interesting to hear what that is. Speaking of continuity, though, another one I didn't realise, again, I'm not taking credit for this one, um, this is from the Only Fools wiki page, um, the Capri gear that Dale buys, or Capri gear as he likes to call it, 
Um, the registration number in this one um, is something. I've got it here, but I can't bother to read it out. And then apparently when we see it again in If They Could See Us Now, it's got a different registration number. It's a different car. Um, I think they used this this particular car right up until that episode, but then for that episode, they had to swap it out and they used a different one and they didn't change the number plates. I've never noticed it. Oh, fair. I, I've never noticed that before either. Um, maybe they can have a storyline that, you know, Dell trying to swindle the tax man or something. I'm going to change the plates <laughs> and the registration or something. I wouldn't put it past him, but um, no, I've never noticed that at all. No, so credit to whoever found that on the Only Fools wiki page. It certainly wasn't me. Um, so see, we have a look at how this episode uh, goes along then, Bread Roll. Yeah, let's have a look. Okay, before we do, as always, a big shout out to Dan Parkinson for doing the opening theme tune. Um, check him out on Instagram, Dan Parkinson. Um, he's also about to start a podcast. Um, it's called Stage Fright, funnily enough, although it's not a dedication to Only Fools and Horses in the episode we covered a couple of weeks back. <laughs> it's going to be about um, sort of people in the entertainment industry and how they sort of suffer from anxiety and things like that. Um, it's forthcoming, so it should be quite interesting. So, yeah. I'll um I'll give you everyone a shout when that actually does um finally appear. So yeah, good one, Dan. And we've tried to get him on this one countless times, but he's impossible to get hold of, so that's probably never gonna happen now. But there we go. <laughs> Rightio, so let's have a look at this episode then, Bread Roll. This is pulled from the main wiki page. So there is an over sixties night happening at the Nags Head, and Albert wants to dance with Marlene's mother, Dora Lane. Meanwhile, because of Raquel's pregnancy and the spate of recent muggers on the estate. Dell decides it's time to become a two-car family again. He purchases a green 1977 Ford Capri gear from Boise for £400. Unbeknownst to Dell, the car was a trade-in on the verge of being sent to be crushed before Boise sold it to him. Rodney is unimpressed with the vehicle and secretly refers to it as a green Pratmobile. Rodney attempts to look for another full-time job, though Raquel and Dell remind him that his prospects are bleak due to him being unregistered for income tax and national insurance for 10 years. However, to raise his spirits, Dale reinstates Rodney back into the Trotters' independent traders. So that's how the episode opens, and I do like it. Albert's on the phone to Cass, isn't he? And um, he's, um, this is, as you said, he's not wearing his medals. He's just got a bloody vest on and some boxers, and he's doing his exercises in his shadow boxing. <laughs> it's quite funny, though, to see him out of all that normal garb he wears. It is, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that normally you wouldn't notice it, but because he spends about 95% of this whole series in the exact same outfit, you do tend to clock when he's changed um obviously or not in that outfit um so to speak but it's not a bad opener i quite like this he's like chatting away to cassandra and everything um and raquel comes in and she says oh you're talking to cassandra i'll tell her i'll give her a call later and i still don't think we've seen raquel and cassandra in the same room together have we because Cass hasn't really been in this series very much and raquel only came back at the start of it so i don't think they got this like thing where they're talking about like oh yeah we know each other we've never actually seen them together that's a really good shout. Obviously, I pulled up on it in Jolly Boys when she talks about um, Cass and they'd never met then as far as we know. Obviously, they would have met by now, I'm sure, off, off camera. But yeah, we've never actually seen them together on the screen. That's a really good shout. Um, and Albert's telling her oh, he's not interested in women and all this. And then he says, his, during the wars, he starts to do a story and you hear him go, oh, something at your door, Cass. <laughs> He's obviously mugged him off because he <laughs> don't want to listen to his stories. Shock horror. But then he does kind of like this practice, doesn't he, of chatting up Marlene's mum. He's like practicing, sort of um, asking her to dance. And he does this little dance around the living room. And as I think I said a couple of weeks ago, so he mustn't be with Elsie at the moment because he's obviously really trying out with Marlene's mum. But we know he ends his days with Elsie, so they must have um, split up for a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, I didn't um, clock that about LC, but you're right. He does end up with her. Maybe it's more of just because um, obviously we find out that him and Knock Knock got such a rivalry. Maybe it's not the fact that he obviously 
as a thing for Marlene's mum. As such, he just obviously wants to get one up on Knock Knock more than anything else. That wouldn't surprise me, yeah, because we see their rivalry sort of a little bit and then we, we find out what happens at the end, obviously, if people don't know. Um, but then old Rodney comes in his dressing gown, he's got a hangover, he's moaning about life and everything. And Albert says to him, oh, yeah, Cassandra called earlier. And Rodney's like, oh, he didn't tell her, like, how I was. And I don't know, I just said you were okay. She just wanted to, um, to your check towards the mortgage. So he must still be paying the mortgage or half, his half of the mortgage. But with what money? Because we've heard he's, he's pissed all his money up against the wall that um, Alan gave him. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Like, obviously, he's still paying the mortgage. And now, because we did comment, didn't we, the other day, he's always out pissing away with, like, Mickey and Jevon and everything. And we know he had a golden handshake, but we did say he's always going to run out of that. And this is where it happens. Because he's like, oh, well, well, I'm sorting that. And then, obviously, a bit later on, we find out how desperate he really is. But we get a bit of a, um, because he's like, oh, Cassandra was on the phone. She asked how you were. And he's like, oh, you didn't tell her, did you? He's like, nah, of course I didn't. And then when he goes in the kitchen and stuff, he's like he's like playing it the other way around. And he does that typical kind of late response that him and Boise tend to do. Yeah, you know, it says to Dell, it's like, um, oh, Cassandra was asking about me. Then Raquel was like, oh, he didn't tell her, did you? And he's like, no, no, of course not. What do you mean you didn't tell her or something like that? Like, There's fucking late responses are like coming thick and fast at the moment. Yeah, we do get quite a few from here on in, from him and Boise mainly. Um, we get a, a few from Dale, but it's mainly those two. But Dale actually, um, he tells Raquel he's going to put the shop in the way, and he actually does it. Um, I mean, there's not a lot left when he does say it, but to be fair, I mean, we don't see Dale doing much for anyone. But for Raquel, as we've said before, because he sort of completely dotes on her, he will do stuff for her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he is like, obviously, a heart of gold as far as she's concerned, as we know. And Rodney's just there sort of lumbering around the kitchen while Dale's trying to put the shop in the way because um, Raquel was obviously heavily pregnant and trying to shift around their pokey little kitchen. And he's just there, like, filling his bowl with cornflakes. And every time they move something, he, like, picks up the milk and he's, like, fucking being a pain in the ass. I know. I thought Dale was going to ask Rodney to put the shop in the way at one point, but he doesn't. He actually does do it himself. And then <laughs> Albert, like, he's like, oh, he used to box for the Navy. He does that... <laughs> He's sort of shadow boxing and punching, doesn't he? And obviously that comes into play a little bit later on at the end. But it's quite funny the way he's sort of bouncing around the living room, isn't he? He's got more energy than Rodney, though, which obviously has been brought up by Dell before. Yeah, that does crack me up when he does that sort of shadow thing. When he's like, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> Dell's like, shut down. You're like, a, I'll sit down. You're like a born again teddy boy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then it cuts to old Boise at the car lot. Marlene calls about Tyler's boy, uh, birthday and. Then Dell phones him straight away, doesn't he? Mar- he puts the phone down for Marlene. Within two seconds, um, Dell calls him. And Boyce does his whole, oh, welcome to a Boyce's car dealership and all that. He's really posh on the phone, isn't he? He's like, oh, it's you, Dell. As his sort of voice drops as it's Dell. And then he properly sticks him up with that Capri, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And, and this bit's always, um, like, I know obviously we get introduced to like the Pratt Bill, and Boyce's shop looks fucking horrendous. It's like bright yellow brickwork all in the fucking background. Obviously, I know it's a set, but even so. But I was thinking, it's like, um, why the fuck would Dell? I mean, I know Dell was obviously a bit desperate and everything, but he would know better than to buy a car from Boise, surely. That's the last person you'd ever want to buy a car from. Exactly. And Boyce is an arsehole to him on the phone as well. We know they've got this sort of love-hate relationship, but he's gone about Tyler's birthday, and he's Dell's like, oh, we got a little angle buyer a birthday present. And Boyce is like, oh, thanks, Dell. Yeah, we're having a birthday party for close friends and family. And I guess you and Albert could come along if you want. He's just like an arsehole to him. He's always undermining him, isn't he? He is, yeah. And um, there's a thing, yeah, again, it sort of like shows the times and everything. When uh, Dell was like, oh, I'm looking for a new car. And he goes, oh, I've got a lovely little Skoda here in the showroom for two and, two and a half grand and all that sort of stuff. And everyone, like the audience, laughs. Because back then, obviously, everyone used to take the piss out of Skodas. But times have changed. They're actually known as quite a bit of a reliable car. Weren't they bought by VW or something? They were indeed. It actually became a bit more of an, 
a, a, like a really good kind of like um, mid-range car these days. They're really nice now. Yeah, um, I was actually talking about this with someone the other day about how they used to be shit in the sort of 80s and 90s. And now they're actually um, really decent cars. Um, so, yeah, there's that as well. And then obviously he says he's got this fucking car. It's amazing. After his guys said he's just about to take it down the scrappy. And it's good timing by John Chalice because the guy comes back in. He's like, so I take that car down the scrappy then, boys. And he chucks the keys up and just as they're about to land in his end. Boise sort of snatched him. He's like, no, there's been a change of plan. There's a good little bit of time in there from John Chalice. Yeah, I wonder if it um, was the first take jobby, but it is really smooth the way he does it, isn't it? He just sort of, like smoothly puts his hand out and catches the keys, like little gangster that he is. <laughs> yeah, and then it does cut back to the flat and Albert, as you said again at the start. He's probably dressed up, isn't he? He's all suited and booted. He's got his, I think he's got his medals on his suit still, though, isn't he? But he looks pretty dapper. He's got about 100 medals, like, all like, weighing him down. <laughs> I know he uses ours a lot, but on this particular suit, it looks like ridiculous. Like, just so many of them jingling away. But yeah, he does actually look pretty good in that suit. It's kind of sort of navy touch suit going on. Um, and then this is the bit where, um, what is it? Obviously, Dell's understanding of the English language has never been great, let's be honest. And Rodney's kind of like, oh, well, Trotter's independent trader's been going for a, um, some commercial augmentation. And Dell sort of thinks about it, goes, oh, we're doing all right, bro. <laughs> yeah, and he comes in with Raquel, and he says they bought this other car and everything. And Rodney starts taking piss out of him a little bit. And then he says, when this Rodney says he's looking for another job, and they say, "Where, where have you been for the last ten years?" Then he's like, "Oh, I'm going to say I was working for a foreign oil company in Saudi Arabia for the last ten years." And I was like, "Oh, that's not going to wash, is it? You're fucking straight out of school, and you go and work for bloody a petrol baron or something." Yeah, they're like, you could say you've been on safari. He's like, what, for a decade? That's stupid. Then, like, Dale comes out and goes, calls him like Lawrence of Peckham, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, Raquel's like, couldn't you say you're on safari? Rodden's like, what, for 10 years? And Albert pipes up, oh, can't you say you got lost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one from Albert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it, doesn't it? And then obviously he asks Dale for his job back. He's getting desperate. And I love the way Dale just keeps mugging him off because Rodney's like, oh, you know. Now I've got managerial experience. And Dale's just like, nah. He's like, I could computerise your whole business. Nah. And he says something about being an executive now. And Dale looks at him again and Rodney's face lights up. And Dale's like, nah. I just love the way he keeps <laughs> just doing that. It's so good. It's brilliant. Then he's like, um, I'm a great salesman. No, it's not. You couldn't sell a black cat to a witch. Well, that's like a brilliant line from Dale as well. Yeah. And then Dale does offer him the job back. And he's like, so what way structure would it be? And Dale's like, well, be the same as it was before then. Rodney's like, what was that then? Well, if I've got cash on the ear, but I'll pay you. And what job title will I have? Well, we'll call you Lord Rodney. That's fucking great from Dell. <laughs> it's a Kinsaki, isn't it? Yeah. And doesn't Rodney say he wants to be the executive of sales or something, doesn't he? He's made up his own job title. Yeah, and Dell actually just goes along with it. I think he's just trying to shut Rodney up at this point. And he goes, okay, yeah, that can be your job title. I'm surprised Dell hasn't actually made Rodney work for him um, before now, at least obviously doing little skivvy jobs, perhaps, because he even points out, it's like, you've been, you know, living in my flat for the last few months for nothing, um, going out drinking, eating my food and everything. You'd have thought Dell had been on the ball. I'd be like, no, I expect you to, I don't know, clean my flat or do some of my sort of like running around or something. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, Rodney's been doing absolutely jack all, apart from getting pissed all the time. And when it does cut to them, though, and obviously he takes Rodney down to see his Capri gear, as he likes to call it, I can't believe he even managed to drive that home from fucking Boise's without even, I mean, it breaking down, him crashing, as you can hardly see out the windscreen, or getting pulled over just because of the bloody state of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen better looking cars in the Mad Max movies, or better condition, <laughs> should I say, but yeah, it looks like the right fucking state, doesn't it? 
obviously it's meant to for the for the sake of the program. But yeah, I don't think you'd get away driving through London and that thing without getting pulled over. And then obviously Dale tells Rodney he's going to be cleaning it after he tells him to go and get dressed up. And he's like, what for? He's like, I'll get in your best car cleaning gear. He's like, I ain't bloody cleaning that. And Dale's like, you bloody well are. Yeah, he's like, you are my employee. And the employee, like, here cleans the governor's, like, Capri gear. And obviously Rodney ends up calling him a Pratmobile later, which I always thought was quite funny. He does indeed. So let's see what happens next in bread roll. So that night, the nags head. Albert plays dominoes with his old friend and rival Knock Knock with both of them battling for the attention of Dora. The trotters also notice a gang of skinheads in the background. Two hours later, back at Nelson Mandela House, Dale tells Raquel that he bought the Capri gear to drive her everywhere safely. Just then, Rodney rushes in and tells him that Albert's been mugged and his money and pocket watch have been stolen. Later, Albert, now sporting a black eye, is laid out on the settee. Dale wants to get revenge on the muggers, but Raquel tells him to leave it to the police. Cassandra enters and Albert tells her the story... And in the kitchen, Cassandra and Rodney talk about Rodney's future with Trotter's independent traders. And Cassandra leaves after believing Rodney's becoming more like Dell. So there's a fair chunk in sort of the main crux of the story there. Um, but it's quite funny, the scene in the um, the nag's head when all the, the sort of old people sat around the table. I mean, bless them. And uh, was it Mike says, oh, you should have some more respect to those people who went through the war for us. And Boise um, <laughs> pipes over here, you can still see the bomb damage on some of them. <laughs> yeah, it's good. What do they call it? It looks like the Tetley Tea Club's day out or something like that. <laughs> something stupid like that. And Marlene's like, oh, Albert's all dressed up. Who's he after? Then it'd be nice to see him with someone. And then they're like, oh, they're after your mum. And he's like, what? She's like, what? My mum? That can't happen. She gets well, Larry, doesn't she? She does, yeah. And I know it's something as well. I mean, this is not uncommon, but they're all kind of at the barn. Trigg's wearing a red suit this time, not his blue one, which I thought was a bit jazzy for Trigg. But um, you got Raquel sat on the um, like the sort of bar stool type thing, and Dale's kind of stood next to her. But he looks like he's got his arm around Marlene, who stood next to him, and Boyce he's behind him, and he's always got his fucking arm around Marlene, hasn't he? But I thought if Raquel was right there as well, and obviously how much he loves her, why has he still got his arm around her? Yeah, I haven't noticed that, but obviously we know he's got a thing for Marlene. Obviously, he never would do anything now. Raquel's on the pic- on the scene, but yeah, and like it's strange, isn't it? Because in the episode with um, older. Uh, what's her name, Trudy, when he said, oh, God, you know how jealous Raquel gets when sort of he thought she was coming in the pub? I mean, I know Marlene's a lifelong friend. She's Boyce's wife and everything. But you think she would get a bit pissed off at the fact that he's always fucking all over her, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And she'd be well in her right to do so. I just thought it was a bit odd that they were still kind of carrying that on at this stage in the um, the storyline. And then we um, when they mention the skinheads and stuff, they move along. And Dell goes to talk to Oily Ollie, doesn't he? One of the greasers. And we know that he's got a bit of a kind of um, rapport with these greasers because way back, um, it was Irene's son, wasn't he? He was one of them when Rodney was dating her and everything. He used to go and chat to him then. So he's always kind of had a bit of a an in with those um, the greasers in Peckham. That's a good shout. Yeah, yes. Um, I mean, Ollie's got a speaking part in this. I can't remember the name of the guy who played him. He is credited, I think. Um, but he gets this little speaking part in this one. I like the fact as well that obviously Boise's mugged Dell off with the Capri gear. I keep calling it Capri. It's a Capri, but I'm just saying it in Dell speak. But then as soon as Boise walks off from the bar, Dell gets another round. He's like, oh, now he's gone. Who's gone? Who wants another drink? So he's mugging Boise off as well, isn't he, really? He is, yeah. And I do like the little, because um, obviously, we, you know, Boise might have his little issues in the bedroom and stuff. Because um, Marlene goes over and like, oh, what's everyone drinking? And um, I was like, oh, I'll have a Navy rum, dear. Puts lead in your pencil. And she's like, oh, isn't that a thing? And then Mike, Mike comes along and goes, what are you drinking, Boise? 
It's like, give him a large navy rum, and you see Boise's face is like, what the fuck? What am I going to drink the rum for? <laughs> yeah, I do like that. It's always made me chuckle, isn't it? And you can see here the tension building between Albert and Knock Knock, can't you? When they start playing dominoes, and uh, Knock Knock says he's going to beat him. And I was like, you've never beaten me at anything. And you can see that there's definitely some rivalry there, and it could get a bit nasty, which obviously it does. It is, because Albert keeps going to like sort of stand up, because he's like, oh, you know, you've never beaten me anything. Why did you let Knock Knock buy you a drink? I wanted to buy you a drink. And he keeps doing that thing where he does that little awkward shuffle when he's standing up and his head starts going like a fucking bobblehead, doesn't it? <laughs> he's bobblehead. That's a great description of him, but he's right. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously both, as it said in the synopsis, they're fighting for old Marlene's mum. And then Trig comes in, he says he's seen Dave polishing a banger and starts laughing about it. And somehow Dale seems to have forgotten that <laughs> Rodney was out there cleaning it, and he's like, oh shit, I forgot about him. Yeah, he's like, I forgot he works for me, but surely like Rodney would have just been like, I'm going home now. I'm not fucking staying. <laughs> it doesn't need Dale to come along and be like, all right, you can clock off now. Surely when it got dark, I don't think that was a particularly well-lit area. Well, I didn't look like there was lampposts in that anywhere. So surely you'd have just been like, oh, fuck it, I'm going home for me tea at six o'clock. <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? I mean, Rodney can think for himself, but it's a bit strange. But obviously it's for the plot and just to raise a few laughs. I mean, just going back there to the garages, apparently this is the first time I think I read that... Um, this part was filmed in Bristol, or certainly the, the first part we saw these garages, which is filmed in Bristol. Um, and then a bit later on, when they do go looking for Albert, that bit was filmed back in London. So it's kind of split between two locations, this episode. But then Rodney does come in and his clothes are all ruined and he says the bodywork's knackered on the car, which obviously Boyce takes exception to. Rodney says, oh, the, the bodywork was stuffed with papers. All right, slander, Rodney. It was done before I took ownership of the car. And he's like, they were today's papers. And Boyce's face drops. <laughs> Or yesterday's yeah, is, papers, should I say. That is good. And then Boise starts having a proper go at like Dale, and they start arguing and bickering, don't they? And it's like, because when I had that client and you said you'd get me two tickets for Wimbledon, and I was like, I did. Yeah, they drew nil-nil of Ipswich. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? It does cut back to the flat and uh, Raquel and Dale are sat there before Rodney comes bursting in. And, um, she's like, Dale, I don't want to nag. And Dale's like, good, I'll put a record on straight away before she even gets a chance to say anything, doesn't he? Yeah, I do like this bit. It's a touching little bit when they're talking because she's like, can we afford another car? And I don't want to put pressure on you. And he keeps trying to be like, yes, but if you listen to me and stuff. And she's like, you know, we've got a baby and I love his response. He turns around and goes, yes, little things do remind me. And obviously points at her belly, which is like fucking huge by now. But um, I do like obviously the touching side of it. She's like, I don't want you walking around on your own in the dark and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's a dangerous estate. I want you to be safe. And she kind of like accepts that, doesn't she? And she's like, oh, that's really thoughtful of you. Yeah, I do like it because he's like, yeah, I bought that car for you. And she's like, is that why you bought it? And he's like, yes. Oh, you are lovely, aren't you? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Dell. But yeah, it is nice, isn't it? The fact that, you know, he was thinking of her when he bought it. Obviously, he's thinking of his image as well because he thinks it's a cool car. But in his heart, he was thinking of Raquel, I guess. And then we get, obviously, Rodney bursting in. He says that Albert's been mugged. He's like, he's got double vision. Where? Oh, in his eyes. <laughs> It always makes me laugh a little bit. And then we've had this before, haven't we? We said it, I think it's in Strained Relations when Rodney rushes out in his fucking... No, is it in Strained Relations? It's one of the episodes, isn't it? When Rodney rushes out in his pyjamas and comes back and says he's going to go and get changed. And in this one, Dale does the same, doesn't he? They're like, let's go to the hospital, quick, let's go. And Dale comes steaming back in and Rodney's like, yeah, he's just going to get dressed first. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. It is a good gag as well. It's a classic because he runs off and they actually leave a bit of a pause, don't they? And then he just got, comes in and it's like, you're a dipstick, Rodney. I <laughs> was like looking like, what the hell is going on? He's like, oh, you're just going to put some clothes on. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Even though we have seen it before, obviously, the other way around, though. 
And then when we do see Albert, he's back in the flat. I, I will say the makeup, his bruises look pretty genuine, don't they? I thought. Yeah, yeah, they do look really good. And I think there's parts coming up where his acting is like fantastic, old Buster Merrifield. He plays this obviously. Obviously, we find out it's not quite what it seems to be, but there's scenes in this where he obviously is he's really believable. Um, and I do like the fact that um, like Dell and everyone are like, oh, the police are looking for him. Dell's like, oh no, no, you wait until I find it. I'm going to sort them out because people around there are used to sorting these things out. And then he mentions Reg, their dad, doesn't he? And he goes, yeah, you know, there was this really nice, handsome Italian bloke who assaulted my mum. Well, he wasn't handsome when my dad got hold of him, which is him obviously actually saying something positive about his dad for once. And then Raquel was like, how did you know that um he assaulted her? And he's like, well, because of the evidence. No, it's like he robbed he robbed my mum's jewellery. I found the evidence. It was like an earring on the back seat of his car or something. And Rodney and Raquel just kind of look at each other like, yeah, kind of know what happened there. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's Dale, though, isn't it? Can never see anything bad against his mum. She's always, you know, as we said before, an absolute um, goddess to him. But it is quite funny, though, isn't it? When um, Cass comes in and uh, Dale's trying to get Rodney to make her a cup of coffee. And Rodney's just been an absolute plonker, isn't he, as always. He's not clocking. Dale's like, why don't you go make Cass a cup of coffee? And he's like, oh. Go in the kitchen and make Cass a cup of coffee. Uh, uh, oh yeah! And then when they're alone in the in the kitchen, she's quite right to say that Rodney's turning to Dell. He's dressed like him. He's even got the fucking uh, little chain on, isn't he? With like the I don't know what it is. The Dell Boy starter kit. She calls it, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. I was going to say that like, they're obviously dressed up the same now, and they're sort of like grey suits. And for once again, Rodney's actually got a suit that somewhat fits him. Normally, Dell like tucks him up with something that's about ten sizes too big. Which is impressive considering how lanky uh, Lindhurst is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Rodney's obviously lying to us, saying how well it's all going and everything. He's been put in charge, all this sort of stuff. And then she's just saying, he's like, "Oh yeah, we've got some contacts in the city, and there's loads of like toilet rolls in the background." She's like, "Oh, what's that? The White City?" And then Rodney takes exception to that, and he completely fucks it up, doesn't he? By sort of turning on her almost. He's quite sort of sarky with her. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're like turning out like Dell. You're full of front and bullshit, Rodney. And he's like, I'm not turning out like Dell. No way, Pedro. (laughs) Yeah, which is a line that Dell has been shouting out, obviously, uh, for most of, well, a couple of times in this episode. But I do think uh, Rodney does come across as actually a bit of a prick in this this part here because he is just coming in and he is literally trying to be like Dell. He just hasn't got the charm and the swagger to pull it off, does he? Because he's like saying, oh, yeah, we're going into like housing and all that sort of stuff and just completely lying. And she knows... He knows Cassandra's not interested in all that sort of stuff. She's a more genuine person, but he's just a bit of a bellhead, and he kind of deserves a snapping at him, I think. Yeah, I think he does as well, because she's sort of warming to him. She's actually making an effort, and he's just coming back with all these stupid little sarky quips, and in the end, she just had enough of it, and I can't really blame her. Yeah. So let's have a look at what happens next. This is quite a chunk here, so uh, I'll do my best. A week has passed since Albert's mugging, and he's still not left the flat. When looking through his old treasure chest of memories, he shows Dell and Raquel a photograph of where he and Grandad were born, Tobacco Road, which has since been demolished. Rodney enters the flat and he and Dell talk about the doctor wanting Albert to try and return to normal life. Albert enters and Dell yells at him to get over his fear of going outside. The next morning, Albert runs away from home and leaves a note to his family. I won't get under your feet anymore, your loving uncle. Raquel suggests that the Trotter brothers go out and look for Albert and Rodney takes the van while Dale takes the Capri gear, and Rodney accidentally revealing that he calls the Capri the Pratmobile. The Trotter brothers spend all day driving around London looking for Albert, including searching the Siemens mission and HMS, HMS Belfast. Eventually, they find him at a luxury housing development on Tobacco Road. Dale and Rodney apologise to Albert for yelling at him the previous night. Albert tells him about his childhood in Tobacco Road, and his first job at the age of 15 on a tram steamer. 
He laments the fact that the old neighbourhood has been torn down for housing development, while Dale thinks of it as a huge improvement and starts to wax lyrical about what he plans to do when he can afford to move there. Rodney and Albert take home in, uh, go home in the van, leaving Dell alone to stare dreamily across the waters. So, yeah, again, a fair chunk there, although there's quite a big sort of montage scene here, which takes up a good couple of minutes in that whole section there, isn't there? There is, yeah. I mean, that is quite a heavy distri- uh, description, especially about Kabaka Road um, <laughs> going on. There. Um, yeah, it's not a bad sequence, but I do quite like it. And there is that really touching sort of part from Buster Merrifield, like when they're on the docks and he's sort of talking about how he used to live there. And there's a really kind of quite sad bit as well when he mentions about um, how they used to spray on the roofs and everything. Um, was it Adolf Hitler? You may break our windows, but you'll never break our hearts. And the way his voice breaks when he says that and he's remembering, obviously, having lived through the Blitz and stuff must be a horrible memory. Um, it's really kind of quite, um, just really well done, I think, the way he's done it. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, really good. I mean, I've got that here in my notes. The fact that, obviously, we, we get the, the pure comedy of um, Albert or Buster Merrifield playing him and then we get that as well. It's just... um. A really good way he turns it round. But before all that, when they're back in the flat, before um, Albert goes on, on the run as such, <laughs> when he's going on about Tobacco Road and all that, and then he tells that story of the bloody lion, it's probably one of the best Albert moments, isn't it? And he fucking wets himself on the, on the chair. I fucking love this bit. It's up there with the bit where he's like trying to be shocked, where he's like, <gasps> all the time. It's like the bit where he just fucking shouts because he's like talking. He's like, yeah, I was out in the jungle. And I was walking along, I was on my own, and like Dell and Raquel are on the sofa, which has got fucking hideous flower pattern on it. When yes. Dad had a sofa like that, I'm sorry to say, but it's fucking horrendous. But um, anyway, and they're sort of falling asleep, and he goes, and then it was, I stared it, I stared at him, and he stared back at me, and he went, and it was this whole fucking shout. I did a very childish thing. I wet myself. It's fucking brilliant. Because I think Raquel's drifting off, isn't she? And she sort of goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> Albert goes, rah! And um, she's like, well, any grown man will... I can't remember if it's Dale or Raquel who says it. Any grown man would um, wet themselves coming face-to-face with a man eating lion. What did you mean when I came face-to-face with a lion? I meant right now and I just went, rah! It's fucking excellent. <laughs> and then Rodney fucking comes in and sits in it. Dale's about to sort of tell him not to. He's like, no, 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 no. Rodney's like, what? He's like, nothing. He lets him sit in it, doesn't he? They've got the world's shittest safety chain on their door, haven't they? Like, he opens the door about And the chains at, like, fucking, I don't know, like, hip height, which for normal people might be shoulder height because Linda is just such a length. But he just kind of reaches down and takes the chain off and opens the door. And it's like, well, that's security for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, one bit there, going back to when Albert's going through his memories, and um, he obviously says about him and Grandad and everything. Um, Obviously, we never heard Grandad talking about Albert because Albert wasn't written into the the story at this point. But I just thought, obviously, he was he was mentioning Grandad there, but we never got Grandad talking about Albert just because Albert didn't exist in John Sullivan's mind back then, did he? No, he didn't. No, and that is nice to where they kind of kept that character kind of you know even like characters like Reg and everything. We know he's a tosser, and we only actually see him materialise once um, throughout the whole sort of this particular series, anyway. Um, but yeah, I do like the way they do always like sort of harking back to those sort of more legacy type characters. And he does talk about Grandad and stuff. It's just sort of keeping the memory alive more than anything else. But it is good. Yeah, exactly. But when um, Dale says that oh, I can't be hard on Albert Rodney after Rodney says, you know, we're being too nice to him and he's just going to get used to it. And then he completely flips Dale and comes an absolute dick to Albert, doesn't he? He's like, you need to go out, Albert. You need to get down the shops and get them fish fingers. It's fucking brilliant. I love that. It's just the way he delivers a line. You go and get those fish fingers. <laughs> it's just so fucking random. And every time 
to this day, like in our house, if there's ever any fish fingers in our freezer, which isn't that often, I always wind Rachel up because I'm like, can we have fish fingers for tea? And she's like, I don't want them. You go and get those fish fingers. I always say <laughs> shit like that. It just it's her off. <laughs> oh, it's good isn't it, how things like that happen. I mean, I, I quote quite a few Alan Partridge. I know you don't like him, but in real life, I quote Alan Partridge all the time. And Kirsty just looks at me like I've got three heads. She's like, what the fuck are you on about? But he's got to do it, haven't you, sometimes? But Absolutely. <laughs> we've obviously had Rodney running away a couple of times, but now we get Albert for fucking running away from home I and mean, they're all a little bit too old to run away aren't they really they are yeah and it's quite um sort of like sad when they wake up because um they're in there the next day just before that though like obviously rodney sat on the chair and how the fuck he doesn't know is he sat in like warm piss i have no idea because he keeps fidgeting but the next day he's wearing the exact same clothes so he's like got like piss stained fucking i don't know it's like, it's like, like cream colored trousers and his jacket and everything he's even got the same shirt like those change because he changes about 10 times an episode yeah. but rodney's still wearing the exact same outfit I didn't clock that. And also, I mean, I'm not speaking from experience, but I've sat in wet things for I might not have been pissed. But, you know, when you spill stuff and you've got those sort of coloured trousers on, it stains. You definitely really notice it the next day if you've been sat in wet piss. Yeah. Well, piss is wet. <laughs> I don't know why I'm emphasising the fact it's wet. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> it would stink as well. But I do like um, Dale's face to Raquel when Rodney goes, you take the van and I'll take the, uh, you, I'll take the van, you take the Pratmobile. He sort of looks at Raquel and he's like, what did he just call it? <laughs> Yeah, I love the way it cuts. Obviously, they he's left the flat. And he's like, "Oh, Rodney, come back!" And then like they're down running through the car park, and Del just sort of stops and goes, "What do you mean, Pratmobile?" <laughs> and the song, the song I've always wondered this. Um, it's called Uncle Albert. Apparently, it's by Paul and Linda McCartney. So um, it, I thought maybe it's a song written for for Any Fools and Horses. I'm not a Paul McCartney fan, but obviously it wasn't because it was written way before Any Fools and Horses. But um, while that's playing, we do get that montage, and apparently. The Paul McCartney song isn't just called about Uncle Albert, it's about something else, but they've cut it, so it just mentions the Uncle Albert part. But that's when we get the montage of them looking, and um, that part was obviously filmed in London, um, as the rest of the show was filmed in Bristol by now. Yeah, that, that song, actually, I've got um, a thing on my phone, which I think you told me about, but I use it quite a lot now. When there's a song playing, it tends to pick up what it is, and it'll tell you. And it's yeah. like, um, we're sorry, Uncle Albert, then it's like slash sergeant something or other so i don't know it's like a double entendre type song or something but yeah you're right definitely it's paul mccartney i was actually going to try and close our episode out with that song but because it's a paul mccartney song the licensing's all over the place and i couldn't find a uh, royalty free version of it no probably not yeah i mean i'm not a paul mccartney fan um no, me either. yeah i just was reading that book that i was on about last week and it was in there where the song came from but yeah, I mean, it fits well with the story, doesn't it? It's a fair play, and they obviously kept the rights for it because they're still in the episodes now when I see it on TV. So, And as you said there, it is quite a poignant story by Albert, um, and obviously it turns around with a bit of John Sullivan comedy. You get that sort of emotional moment, and he's like, yeah, well, look what they've done to it now. And Dale's like, yeah, it's terrific, isn't it? <laughs> and starts going about how he'd have a Porsche outside of a fucking, I don't know, what does it says, a windsurfer on the roof and everything, which I wouldn't put on a Porsche far as Dale, but there we go, he's never going to get one. Although, obviously, he does become a millionaire. But And then Rodney and Albert just walk off, and Dale's still flapping on about what he's going to do if he lived there, isn't he? Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Because, again, it's like that emotional scene, really well done by Buster Merrifield. Um, and then, like I say, the John Sullivan gold, where he just sort of twitched twist it into like a comedy moment and Dale's like you say he's got this massive vision for himself and <laughs> the shit he's coming out of is hilarious he's like yeah we'll have a few glasses of the old Moet and I'm a champagne and liver sausage sandwich man myself <laughs> and all this sort of shit and he's just talking to himself and like you say Rodney and I were just like oh fuck it we'll leave him to it <laughs> yeah so let's have a look at how it wraps up then bread roll so back at the flat Albert has regained his confidence 
Just then, Knock Knock rings the doorbell. Albert answers it and tries to escape to his bedroom. Dale speaks to Knock Knock instead and returns with Albert's pocket watch, which is what Knock Knock wanted to return. Dale has found out the truth. Albert was not mugged. He and Knock Knock had a fight over Marlene's mother and Knock Knock had knocked Albert out and he'd also hit him in the eye. Albert had also lost all his money at Domino's to Knock Knock, so to avoid embarrassment, he made up the mugging story. Rodney enters and tells everyone that the skinheads in the pub were actually undercover police officers who had been placed on the estate following the recent muggings and a biker gang was arrested for assaulting them. Dell's heart sinks and he admits that he was the one who asked the bikers to do it as a favour since he knows their leader and he believed they're responsible for mugging Albert. As they discuss the possible repercussions, Albert confidently boasts about how he would beat them all. In a rage, Dell attempts to hit Albert but Rodney restrains him. So I'm sure people know all along that Albert wasn't actually mugged and it was him and Knock Knock who had a fight. We sort of alluded to it throughout the synopsis there and we pretty much gave it away. But I don't think it's much of a surprise, is it? No, it's not. And throughout the episode, uh, the number of people that have mugged Albert has been getting yeah. bigger every time he tells a story. And we actually get a delayed reaction from Raquel this time, don't we? She goes, we do. well, you would you would be nervous if you get you were attacked by... No, she's like, oh yeah, I was mugged by six people. And she goes, yeah, you would be if you were attacked by six people now, is it? And she does it as well, really well. Yeah, because she's been really nice to him, isn't she, and everything. And he's like, well, I don't really want six of them. She's like, yeah, I know, Albert. Yeah, that not six. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's just the way John Sullivan does it. He uses it with most characters, but certainly Rodney and Boise are the most sort of prominent ones for it. And then we get Dell sort of saying, oh, yeah, Rodney was drunk as a new. I saw some winos, and they said they were celebrating St. Rodney's Day. <laughs> That's brilliant. That should actually be a national bank holiday in Britain, I think. I'm surprised we haven't gone gone there yet. Rod St. Rodney's Day. I'd celebrate well, maybe, it. Maybe we could uh, celebrate it, Bradwell, have it as an unofficial day off. Although I don't get paid for my days off, so the less bank holidays, the better for me. But when um, Knock Knock does come to the door, though, and um, he rings the doorbell, and Albert's like, Who's there? Knock Knock. <laughs> it's yeah. quite a good play, isn't it? That the play on words. Yeah, because even Dale's face is like, what the fuck? And this is where the, um, as I mentioned at the start, there's a bit of a continuity error here because we rarely see the hallway outside of the Trotter's flat. And when we do, it's always from really weird angles. But in this particular case, we see Knock Knock walking down. And other times when we've seen their hallway, it's like a really wide open area, but it's not just a tight hallway. And it's got a plain green wooden door, but their door is actually a light yellow and it's got a window on it. So the door he walks up to and knocks isn't the door that they open. If you don't know if you yeah. ever noticed that, but it's completely different. It's funny you should say that, actually, because I've seen this episode countless times, as I have all of them, and it was only in one of the recent times I'd seen it that I even ever noticed we saw that little glimpse of Doc Knock approaching the door. I must have always looked away at that point. It's, it's quite a very, it's a quite a short cut, isn't it, of him just approaching the door. And I would say it's only in the last sort of couple of viewings I've even noticed we saw him there. So I've definitely never noticed the continuity thing. No, it's a good spot, Bradwell. Yeah, again, it's not a scene I always remember. I mean, it's only because I just, again, must have just looked up at the right time because it is, it's almost like a scene that didn't even need to be there because we know it's knock knock at the door with obviously that joke. That would have made it probably even funny if you didn't know it was him in the first place. Yeah. And I do like, Albert's like, it's knock knock. I can't see him, Dell. He's like, well, of course you can't. You haven't opened the door yet. That's quite a good comeback from Dell. I do love the way Buster Merrifield plays his sort of nervousness. He's like jittering around and dancing around the room. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he's like, going to go to my room. And he's just in his little fucking shuffle. He is. And then Dell goes to the door in the end. He's like, I'll bloody go then. He goes to the door. And he's only gone for about 10 seconds when he comes back at the pocket watch. And he knows everything that happened. So not, not must have fucking told him pretty bloody quickly. 
Yeah, right. I must have like wrapped it and ran away. <laughs> he must have done. And then obviously Albert says, oh, I was so embarrassed being like hit by a bloke three years older than me. I don't know Albert, how old Albert is in this, but I mean, Knock Knock didn't look particularly much older than him, but I suppose three years in the grand scheme of things isn't massively older than him. And then we get Rodney storming in. He's like, oh, you should have been down in Nag's head. Why? Well, you should have just been down in there. There's blood all up the wall. There's grease up the ceiling. He's like, oily ollie. He took a paste in those guys that we thought were skinheads. They're undercover coppers. And then as the synopsis said, Dale's face just drops, doesn't it? It does, yeah, because he's obviously settled that in motion. And so, slowly, like, the sort of penny drops of, like, Raquel and everyone. But um, just before that, <laughs> obviously, we said last week, obviously, we know Albert always does the whole kind of, like, wobbly head thing. And he did a really good one yes, uh, last week with Slater when he's like, where do you think she's been? In a convent? And his head nearly falls off. In this one, he does a similar thing. Cause he's like, well, knock, knock, sonny, uh, you know, he, he was going to beat me. So I squared up for him. And he hit me. And then his head <laughs> just fucking starts wobbling. <laughs> It's great though, isn't it, from old Buster Merrifield there. But I mean, Ollie is a character we never see again. We never hear of him again. But as Dell says, well, I think it's um, I can't remember if it's, who says it, but they're like, oh yeah, I think it's Rodney actually. When Ollie and his uh, mates get out of hospital, I think I know where they're going to be first paying a visit to. And Dell's like, oh yeah, but obviously we never hear any more of that again. So um, Ollie's a character that never resurfaces, is he? He's not, no, and that's when obviously Albert fucking, he's like, yeah, well, he better not try anything because I used to box and he starts doing his fucking shadow dance. And, and it's not a bad ending, actually, because when Dell just completely flips out, he's like, right, come here, you little git, and it just ends with, like, Rodney trying to stop him. And it sort of ends in a freeze frame, a bit like, um, was it Yuppie Love, wasn't it, when Rodney goes bombing down to the bloody trash shoot thing? It's kind of like that, isn't it? It just stops with, like, Rodney holding Dell back. Yeah, the thing is, it stops just as Rodney's kind of like turning his head, so his hair's kind of flapping around. He looks a bit like Wurzel Gummidge. <laughs> oh, dear. It's a good episode overall there, as they all are. Um, but, yeah, I do enjoy this one. And it's good to see Buster Merrifield sort of taking the, the front sort of uh, row there. And luckily, unlike Cassandra, he doesn't disappear now for weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because um, obviously we didn't know at the time, did we? But old uh, Buster Merrifield, after this, he's only in a few of the specials and everything because obviously sadly he passes away. Um bit later on so it's one of the last episodes where obviously we see him properly and it's good to see that he gets the storyline a bit more focused on him before it all kind of ended yeah exactly and as we said when he first came into this in series four he wasn't an actor before this and he's certainly matured hasn't he? he's got better and better as it's gone on and this is obviously his shining episode really yeah yeah absolutely and it is a great episode and i do really like it and um just obviously continues that consistency of the show just kind of like getting better and better really Exactly. Yeah, and we've just got one episode left now of Series 7 before we hit the specials. We're on the home straight. We do, yeah. It's uh, coming to an end. But um, to all our listeners out there who have been on this little journey with us so far, and obviously you're going to hopefully stick with us while we wrap it up over the next sort of month or so, um, thanks for joining us. And um, let us know your thoughts on this particular episode, if you're a fan of it. Um, and any episodes that we've got coming up, let us know what you think of them, if there's any behind-the-scenes knowledge you have. Uh, please uh, share it with us, and we'll call it out on the episode itself. Indeedy, yep, couldn't say it better myself, Red Roll. And um, we're going to leave that quiz thing I sort of flapped around about last week. We're going to leave that until when we start the specials. With, um, we'll do a few quiz questions at the start and end of every episode just to make something a little bit more interesting when we hit the specials in a couple of weeks' time. So, um, yeah, all good for me on this one, Bread Roll. Lovely stuff. So thank you as always, and this is Bread Roll signing off. And from EJT, I've just got one last thing to say. Well, if you want to resign, that's fine by me. I'll even give you a leaving present. A paraffin eater and a mousetrap.